The following program is recommended for ages 18 and over due to adult content. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Behind the Scenes, a look at some of the sometimes steamy inside of Hollywood with your host, Hollywood executive and former Victoria's Secret model, Summer Helene. Our program features the gossip, the dish, and the stories of what's really going on behind your favorite movies, television shows, and celebrities from the people who are involved in the industry. Now, here is your host, Summer Helene. G'day, g'day, guys. Welcome to Behind the Scenes. I'm your host, Summer Helene, and we are on with my co-host, host of the Militant Moderate, one of my favorite people in the whole wide world, and going by your tweets, yours too, Paul Michael See? Bolin. I still don't know how that works. We, we really we need really to work really on this don't. Twitter thing with yeah, you. I know. Twitter and Insta, we need to get on that. So what do you think about Felicity Huffman going to prison? Uh, for 40, what? 14 days in jail over the college admission, admission scandal. <laughs> wow she's okay. going to she's uh, uh going to jail uh you know the, it's hard to argue it's hard to say that we don't have a two-tier justice system i mean uh, well the other parents the other parents got off um they're not going to jail meaning but they the are others being weren't as easily prosecutable as she was pretty much and, and I think this was, wasn't this a uh, plea deal, if I'm not mistaken? No, she was sentenced. And the no, prosecutor. You didn't get sentenced in a plea deal. It, this you, was not a plea deal. Oh, she's the only so one who the plea deal? No, she, lots of people didn't take it. But essentially, they all came after her. And right. the, uh, the prosecutor essentially said, we need to send a message that says you, just because you have money, you cannot get away with this. And so she's the only one that got jail time. She got a $30,000 fine, 250 hours of community service, and a year on probation. She got the harshest sentence because they and, wanted to show there was no favoritism. And two weeks is that now granted, I know that two weeks in jail is like, uh, I think that translates to what, three years in uh, rich people speak? Probably, yeah. Just saying. Yeah. Uh, See, I guess I don't. I'm. I think equal is should be equal. I don't like the idea of giving someone a harsher sentence and a higher fine simply because they can afford it or because they have some face value. They kept somebody out of that school. College enrollment is always, uh, you know, it's it's a finite number. They just can't take care of everybody. She kept somebody out of that school. I'm so. not saying she shouldn't be in jail. I'm mm-hmm. saying they all should or they all shouldn't. Well, you'd have to basically, you'd have to have all of those people agree to use the same lawyer and all those people to be used, be uh, bound to the same agreement. So, you know, I'm just looking at how our justice system works. I was talking to a lawyer about this not too long ago. Not that I'm you know, just bar talk, nothing I'm not looking at any any jail time anytime soon. <laughs> uh, you can hear me knocking on wood at that point. Um, but yeah, that's where my head's at. That as long as they don't interrupt the, it doesn't interrupt the filming schedule of Shameless. I'm okay with it. I do think she deserves some time. Mm-hmm. I do think the kid should be taken out. But I think the kid has been taken out, hasn't? Yeah, he? hasn't. But but. 
I know, I like, Aunt Becky justice. immediately told her kid to just uh, just grab your laptop, your phone, and your purse and get the hell out of there. Uh, there before it, the uh, giant uh, shit show stormed down on her. I don't know. I guess I'm just, it kind of hits me where I'm like, I, I just don't like uneven. Uh, well, again, I, mean, I guess she had the shittiest lawyer. <laughs> or the prosecutors is like, we're putting one of these in jail. You know? Yeah, that's kind of what it sounds like. Yeah. And just in 14 days, are they really in jail? Sounds like yes. she's just going to be inconvenienced for two weeks. Uh, well, it depends I don't on know. the kind of jail that they, they went through. Because I made a pair, I, I, I did go into a rabbit hole a few weeks ago about that Jeffrey Epstein and the sentence that he got a few years ago, where he basically only had to spend the night in jail. And could you know, leave during the day. During the day, yeah, you could work I, during I the get, day. I get really caught. I want celebrities to get equal prosecution and equal justice, mm-hmm. but I don't want. I don't think it should be harder on them, and I don't think it should be softer on them. I just think this is probably worth a little bit more than fifteen days. days. I agree. I think it should be, but for everyone. Now, I do understand that California prisons, which I, I'm assuming this was a uh, thing in California, this, this of was, course. Uh, are completely overcrowded, so we kind of have to prioritize violent offenders over nonviolent offenders, and, you know, Felicity did nothing violent. Uh, so there's that, and that, that we have to factor into it if we're going to be completely honest about this. I, I just... <sighs> I don't know. What she did was a dick move. Um, uh-huh. But it's it's not... I don't think she should be getting a, ha- uh, a uh, harsher sentence than everyone else. You know, I, I think... Well, Liam Hemsworth was miserable. Let's do punishment by being married to Miley Cyrus. I think that'd be fun in a few ways anyways, but, you know... The... I know that made me sound like a big perv, but you know, you know, the sex has got to be crazy with that one, with that wackaloo. They're, they're getting divorced. It's not even been a year, so it can't right. be that good. And oh well, no, it, it comes with the price tag. Always comes with the price tag. Well, yeah, Miley Cyrus, <laughs> that would be a problem. Eh, well, what are you gonna do? I don't know. It's better than Brad Pitt's dating history. I'm looking at this right now, and he's dated everyone. He dated Shannon Dowdy. Uh, he also dated Nicole Brown. Brown really? shortly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one night he came. Apparently, uh, they were. She, she uh, he, and Nicole were at their place, and OJ knocked on the door. He also he dated Robin Givens. Wasn't she married to Mike to Tyson? To Mike Tyson, yeah. So he's going after OJ star. and Mike Tyson's women? What the hell's wrong with you? How do you I get that pretty face? I, because uh, I don't think he dated him for very long. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, now granted, OJ, uh, we didn't really know him, how, how much. I mean, I think I might be one of the only people in California who doesn't think he did it. Uh but still, I think his son did it. Yeah, the son from the first marriage. That's what yeah. I think, too. Do. Uh, but let's see. Yeah, just the... Uh, the it, I don't know. How long do you think the, the Robin Gibbons relationship lasted after he found out 
Mike All right, Tyson. let's let's try this, guys. That can be one of our giveaways. We have tickets uh, to Magic Mondays. We have ATV rides at Offroad Rentals in Palm Springs, California, and we have free floats at uh, True Rest, Sedona, and Las Vegas float spas. So we'll give you any of the freebies you want if you can answer that question. Tell us how long this relationship lasted. How long was Brad Pitt <laughs> dating Mike Tyson's Mike Tyson's it, partner? Okay, and we're gonna round up to the nearest second. Yeah, I'd like to know. Like, but my question is, how long after finding out she was, you know, Mike Tyson's person, did he just go, "Oh hell no"? Right, and I would assume that. I mean, if it was me after my case, in my case, uh, it would be well. If there were twelve steps leading up to her apartment, I might have hit two of them on the way down. <laughs> Just run for your life! It's like, oh, hi! Bye! You know, yeah, like, here's I'm the out. problem. It's not like you can outrun Mike Tyson. He's a boxer. No, he runs I every day. I couldn't I couldn't outrun Mike Tyson. The only Rad person that should be dating Mike Tyson's wife is Usain Bolt. Hear me out. He's the only person I can guarantee can outrun Mike Tyson. No, I mean, I, I think, you know, Brad Pitt was in pretty freaking good shape back in that day. It yeah, was but still, so was Mike Tyson. That. It's at the height of his boxing career. Right, These guys run are, every day. Heavyweights aren't sprinters. Mm. Heavyweights really aren't oh, sprinters. But they can run for miles. So by the time Brad Pitt burns out, Tyson's still going. Like I'm sorry. I think boxes. I can make it at least. I could probably make it at least two miles if Mike Tyson was behind me. <laughs> I don't know exactly where I would get that. And my body would probably implode. At the end of those two miles, so Mike would have to do the same thing to me. I, I well, gotta say, like I, I watch uh, I properly motivate. <laughs> Pro- proper motivation. I've got uh, the friend of the show. He's a friend of the show, Jared Fiorda, uh, Bear Fiorda. He's an MMA fighter. Uh, the the amount of t- like that guy runs, and he's a light heavy, so he's he's a fairly mm-hmm. big guy, lots of muscle, and he runs for miles a day. Like these guys just go. If you watch right. them, my brother runs with him. I wouldn't bother. <laughs> like, it's like, unless someone's piggybacking me, I'm not running that far. But he, uh, like, he'll just run. And they run. They don't break a sweat, not breathing heavy. And, you know, I've seen Mike Tyson run. Mike Tyson can run for miles. If you watch him even now, like, he does things online. You can watch him just running on his treadmill. Three or four miles in, he's just running, not breathing hard, nothing. Yeah, and if I remember right, but that was both. Both of that was before his, like, uh, breakthrough in Thelma and Louise, where Brad was, you know, in fantastic shape at that point, I'm sure. Yeah. And that was, he that, had that was run, before then. He so had to run miles in order to that. get that freaking, that, that V thing. That, that I'm not v, disagreeing. Oh, I'm just oh, saying he was young, he's yeah. thin, good metabolism, and he ain't uh-huh. Mike Tyson. I don't care. Like, I don't care how No, but Mike Tyson is, be- is directly behind him. That's true. Fear propels. Yeah. <laughs> that's valid. That's 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 a valid point. If that's I could true. make if I could make two miles, Brad could make twenty-three. <laughs> All right. Just to get away from Mike Tyson. If Mike Tyson is behind either of us. Um, I think the best thing I ever heard about Mike Tyson was a friend of a friend used to work with him. And he's always surrounded by these bodyguards. And some guys started mouthing off, <laughs> why? asking why, well, asking why Mike Tyson needed bodyguards. And the bodyguard looks square at this, he's a young actor coming up. Um, I'm not going to say his name because he's pretty well known now. And looks square uh, at this, uh, this young actor. They're not he's like, to protect Mike from the people. They're, they're from here to protect you from Mike. Yeah. 
And it was that moment, he said, at that moment, I felt my pants fill with fear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, because that was the moment that Mike Tyson locked eyes with me and walked over filled and said, hi, you. nice to meet you. I'd say that would be filled with something else, but that's <laughs> yeah. a whole other thing. But it, was, it was that moment, it's like, and Mike Tyson came over and he squeaked out, hi, nice to meet you. And he thought, you know, there's, there's something about that soft voice that just makes everything worse. He said, all I wanted to do was laugh. Because it's like Mickey Mouse coming out of this giant man. And then I saw my life flash before my eyes. So I didn't. It got less funny. He uh, he jerked you in with this. It's kind of lippy type type. Yep, that's it. And I'm probably going to die if I ever run into him just for making fun of him. for that. I like, I, I like him. And actually, he's really cool. When you meet him in person, he's a very cool human. But I think he's cute. As, I think he's cute so. <laughs> Not, uh, And he makes fun of it himself. So... He's a very cool human. She can. Um, I'm not. <laughs> I should. Wait, it's like, what happened to Paul? The funeral's on Tuesday. Why? Well. <laughs> like the, my, I, yeah. Apparently he couldn't outrun him. That <laughs> <laughs> fact, Jack. Nobody. Are we going to break? We are. We're going to go to break now. Oh, to the people writing in about Courtney Cox's new shag haircut. Um, yeah, shag haircuts are in. Courtney Cox is really cool and got a shag haircut. I do not get the point. Tweet me and tell me what you're trying to ask because that made no sense. I'm Summer Helene. We're on with my co-host, host the Militant Moderate, Paul Michael Boland, and we'll be right back after this. Streaming live, the leader in internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Have you checked out Teen Wealth Radio? It's a show for teens, their parents, and educators. Hosted by Brandy England, along with regular weekly contributors, Teen Wealth Radio will cover the topics that teens need to talk about. Plus, we discuss a book of the week and a movie of the week, and each show will offer a challenge to our teen listeners that they can share on our private Facebook group page. Be sure to tune in to Teen Wealth Radio, live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. Racers and Rental Cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access all the time become our friend on facebook post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline visit facebook.com forward slash voice america you are listening to behind the scenes with host summer helene to connect with the show today please call 1-866-472-5788 
That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to bts at summerhelene.com. Now let's go back behind the scenes. G'day, g'day, guys. Welcome back to Behind the Scenes. I'm your host, Summer Helene. And to the tweeters tweeting, thank you very, very much. And it would be the tweeters tweeting. The Twitter tweeter tweeting? I don't know. The people on Twitter who are sending me stuff. Twitter if a Twitter 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 would. I don't know. We've just gone to how much Wilbur would chuck chuck. So, uh, to the people (sighs) tweeting, um, yeah. See why I can't use Twitter? It's very confusing. (laughs) All right? It's really not. Welcome back, guys. Uh, Yep. So, we've got Jennifer Anderson is selling her... uh, Well, she's not selling. She's done a spread in hers and Justin Theroux's old Bel Air home. It's like worth 21 million, which means she's selling because you see them in the real estate. You know, you ever see these guys in, in, in magazines and the architecture magazines, they're about to sell their home. They're doing it for the uh, press to keep the price up. I think they aren't they getting divorced. Yes. But she just did yeah. a thing in an architecture magazine. She's selling, she's going to sell. And then uh, to the guy asking about that's free advertising. That's, that's actually pretty good. It's, it's a, that's a pretty good fit. You know, it's free advertising. I, I think, think it's, it's good brilliant. If, good I if would. you can get it. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. Now, everyone's on the uh, Katie Holmes, Jamie Foxx breakup. Um, I'm kind of, I'm kind of like torn here because I still, uh, I, I want to say that Katie Holmes is a professional beard at this point, but I couldn't say that even if I wanted to. Uh, even though you kind of just did. Oh, uh, yeah, no, I was totally joking. Okay, fair enough. And then, <laughs> yeah, haha, <laughs> just kidding. Um, and then we've got the big thing going on with uh, the, 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 the Casablanca movie we were talking about with Miley Cyrus. Uh-huh. In the midst of her divorce, that's been pulled. Okay. Uh, that was the straw that broke the camel's back? Really? That yeah, was- that that's the straw that broke the camel's back. But don't worry, we still have Selena Gomez, lovely girl, but Jesus Christ, starring in Gone with the Wind. Ah, uh, I still don't think that's ever really going to get off the ground. God, I hope not. And then, uh, of course, Aaron Carter is positive for opiates, benzo- benzodiazepine, and has an addiction, a huffing addiction. My who's, question is, who? Who? My question is, who's Aaron Carter? I'm, and I would test positive for opioids. Well, yeah, but you know? you're, you're prescribed them. He's just a junkie. Uh, he was uh, boy band boy band guy from the 90s. Oh, okay. <laughs> the, the, Fair enough. The, uh, the interesting part. Oh, of, wasn't he one of the younger, boy, younger brothers of the Backstreet Boys? <laughs> <coughs> one of the, yeah, one of those, one of the Carter boys. Huh. But it's interesting, though, I think whoever decided on uh, putting Selena Gomez in Gone with the Wind is the one huffing. Uh, you know what? I'm still not fully convinced that that isn't like a threat to get something else off the ground. <laughs> like, like, this producer, like this producer has the rights to, cause this, this does happen quite a bit, kids, yeah, kids. Uh, <laughs> it's where it's like, okay, I have the rights to remake Gone with the Wind. I am going to put somebody so I'm going to attach somebody that is just going to piss off the entire community. But I will keep putting it off if you'd make this other movie. Man, you know? I need to get some rights to some really shitty films, some really good films. And all I need well, to do is threaten yeah. to put Jen- 
Now, and I mean, no offense. I love Jennifer Lopez when I say this, so don't hate mail me. The one I don't like is Beyonce. I think I'm the only person in the world that thinks she's a moron. But I really like Jennifer Lopez when I say this. I, I, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm kind of the okay. We'll redo a streetcar named Desire starring Jennifer Lopez. That could Anyone work. have the rights? Yeah, that's the problem. She's actually talented. Um, yeah. Give me, give me some. Oh, I can't wait to see that movie where she's like a stripper in it. So you know, that's you know, I'm like. I can't believe I can't believe she's going out with Alex Rodriguez. I think he looks like he got hit in the face with a pan. Alex, oh, the baseball player. Yeah, okay. they're engaged. I think she's slumming it. Uh, yeah, because he's not. Is he still playing baseball? I don't know. I think he retired. Yeah, I got nothing with baseball. I clued out after the whole steroid. Uh, uh, sleeper series of the 90s so yeah oh there there you go this is the one i'm gonna use so austin kutcher broke his toe while putting his kids to bed because it's austin kutcher uh we could put him in gone with the wind as clark gable actually as clark gable's character and i'm realizing that's not as bad i cannot find anything as bad as selena and i love selena gomez but as selena gomez a scarlett o'hara somebody help me uh well i mean there was at one time they thought that uh that Batman was going to be played by David Letterman. Still not the worst thing I've heard. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I'm really, it's because Selena Gomez is so young. I think she could maybe do that role in about 15 years. Here's, I just saw that. Uh, oh, she's she, not that young. She's in her mid twenties. But she looks like she's 12. So yeah, there's, there's your real ad, there's your real age. And then there's your casting window. That's true. And, She's thirteen. Uh, I just watched that Jim Jarmus zombie movie. Movie that she that uh, had a small part in, and yeah, she looks like she's like thirteen, fourteen years old. I think my casting age is forty-five. Well, you know, I'm 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 somewhere in between father and grandfather. I'm not quite old enough to be the father, but grandfather. Uh, I'm not. I'm older. Think I'm a little getting like too old to play fathers and too young to play grandfathers. So see, I'm I'm in my early thirties, which means I'm ready to play someone's grandmother in Hollywood years. True. Now, granted, is it is different <laughs> different for men. There is the old it saying is. that it's as true. men as men grow older, we can grow more regal and stoic and look like Sean Connery. And then as women grow older, they can also grow more regal and stoic and look like Sean Connery. Exactly. So yeah. I'm, I'm in my early 30s, so that means I am now too old to play Sean Connery's girlfriend. Uh, how old is that guy? I saw that guy with his pants up around his nipples not too long ago. Yeah, he's there not doing go. well. I, and I yeah. love Sean Connery. Mm. But he's not doing well. The only one that I ever gave a pass, um, one of my favorite TV shows, the old TV shows, was Get Smart. I loved Get Smart. They did a remake mm. of the film with Steve Carell and Anne Hathaway and Dumb as a Rock. So um, <laughs> one of the things they did, I, the man's people sued me twice. I have problems there. Don't like him. Not his fault. Still don't like him. Uh, so uh, they cast Anne Hathaway's Agent 99 and put her opposite Steve Carell. And one of the things they put in there was um, they originally weren't going to cast her. They thought she was a bit young to play Agent 99. Right. Uh, but it's Anne fucking Hathaway. I'd like to remind everyone, every time we swear, we give money to the Boys and Girls Club awful. of America, the Humane Society of America, Shit, and free that, MMA. So every yeah. time we swear, we're doing it for the Low children. Fart. Yep. <laughs> Alexis well, is going to kill you. She has to say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Alexis is going to sit there and have to count. She's going to kill all of us. Um, 
So the way they dealt with the age thing there is they said she had full reconstructive plastic surgery and she made the comment, I had them take a couple of years off and then made it, I'm the same age as Steve Carell, but they had them take some years off. I thought that was well done. But other did they that, actually did they, did they like call to a call back to it every once in a while? Like she had like Skinner albums or something like that. I mean, oh, uh, they did all kinds of stuff, and he kept joking about her dusty old uterus and the eggs are going to fall out. Ah, uh, okay. it was yeah. actually it's been really a while funny. since I've seen that one. Love, I love that movie, but I like Get Smart. So that's the only way I've seen that age discrepancy handled well. Then I'm not talking about Dumb as a Rock now. I'm talking about the movie The Rock with um, Sean Connery and Catherine Zeta Jones. Was that the name of uh, it? No. No, that no, was Nicholas no, Cage. That was Entrapment. That was Entrapment with, with Sean Connery and Catherine Zeta Jones. That was it. Yeah. yeah. And essentially, um, everyone made fun of that age difference because it just looked ridiculous. Like, that was the point that it started getting weird. But it's still in everyone's brain. It didn't occur to anyone, hey, Anne Hathaway's a bit young for Steve Carell. And I love Steve Carell. But right, because there, there's, there's a significantly smaller window. You know, but, I mean, John yeah. was, John was, I think, in his 70s when he did that, when he did yep. that movie. And then you have a next to Catherine Zeta-Jones, who mm-hmm. was my age. Not now, yeah, obviously, who, and who my in real age li- But she, she married Michael Douglas, who was, like, how okay. many years her senior anyways? <laughs> so, so she's got a thing for oxygenari- oxygen- octogenarians. That was a really hard word to say. So she's got she a thing She likes for her men to move slowly. Exactly. Okay. It's, it's the same reason, you know, lionesses hunt wildebeest. I'm, ki- I'm kidding. I actually really like um, Michael Douglas and I like Catherine Zeta-Jones, but yeah. Oh. So, but, but it is still kind of creepy. That being said, I've dated guys 10, 15 years older and 10 years younger. I've dated everything in between. I hear Alexis. Lex, Lexis is piping in in the background. I'm sitting there. I'm like, I'm going to throw a shoe at my assistant. But she's a dominatrix in her off time, so she'll throw it back and she'll do it harder. Um, but I find, I find it interesting, the take on it, because it is. You're at a point where you're like, well, you can maybe play a grandfather. I'm in my early 30s. Like, I'm just getting past 30. I'm, I'm just into my 30s. Uh-huh. I can now play someone's grandmother. Yeah, and I'm going to see 50 next year. <laughs> yeah. So that's You'll not be 50. A, yeah, but I'm, I'm not 50, old enough to be your girlfriend in a film. Like, like I, I'm not, I'm not young enough to be your girlfriend. If we were casting a film right now, I'm just passing 30, and I'm not young enough to be your girlfriend. And this is why I'm happy to work in call in Hollywood. <laughs> what happens? Get yeah. <laughs> well, at 25, that's I'm a just saying. <laughs> I don't think that's. I don't think that's so bad. I'm just saying. Okay. <laughs> Fair. All right. Send your complaints too. All right. Yeah. All right. You know what? It, it does suck and it is getting better. But I'm going to say this it's become so normalized now that it doesn't really matter. I yeah. think I'd, I'd like to see things cast more on talent than who's uh-huh. got the nicest rack. But right. I've gotten but jobs because I had a really nice but, ass. But even, even then, you know, I, I've seen, you know, perfect racks out there and they're not getting work and anyways it's it's all marketability it's all how much you're worth how much things things that how much money how many butts you can put in the seats that's true i spent a good portion of the time i when i was acting and doing that before i got behind the scenes a Uh good portion of the reason i ever got cast 
was because I modeled for Victoria's Secret. And so as dumb as that sounds, having that cachet and having a nice ass got me jobs with less talent than a lot of people. Yeah. I, should, I hate uh, to say Victoria's, it like that. Victoria's Secret model, Summer Helene, you know, or, yep. yeah, that, that's, that's, that's something that, that's a little value to put on the back of a box cover. It is. And I still have a great Which, ass. What is the modern day, <laughs> what is the modern day, because I keep using terms like straight to tape or the back of a box cover. What the hell is the, 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 the proper term these days? Because everything like goes to streaming platforms and things like that, you know? Uh, usually it would be the, it, it would be it would be hey it looks good on the t- it's a great tagline because you go off taglines uh, more than anything uh, or uh, hey you know it's it's a good overview or a good bio I, I hate to say it, there's nothing really on it except the back of a box that's still used so you're good there you're you're still within okay. range. All right, guys, we have to go to break. When we come back, we are going to be on with a very very special guest. And Paul, I know he's made of yours, so I'll let you do the intros when we get back. Uh, or do you want to do it now? No, we'll have him do okay. it. Okay. Okay. It's easier. We're going to be on with Courtney Joyner. I'm Summer Helene. We are on with my co-host, host of the Militant Moderate, Paul Michael Bolin, and we'll be right back after this. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. If you are interested in real estate in America's largest city or anywhere, be sure to listen for Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Although our focus is on Manhattan and other real estate markets in and around New York City, we'll have plenty of information that will help you successfully buy, sell, and close a transaction no matter where you are in the world. Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco can be heard every Tuesday at 9 a.m. in New York, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on voiceamerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are listening to Behind the Scenes with host Summer Helene. To connect with the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to bts at summerhelene.com. Now let's go back behind the scenes. G'day, g'day, guys. Welcome back to Behind the Scenes. I'm your host, Summer Helene, and we are on with my co-host, host of the Militant Moderate, and the guy you guys like a hell of a lot better than me, at least according to Twitter, Paul Michael Bolin. And we You're are on with a very brief... <laughs> you do. Everyone loves you. I kind of get called a bitch a lot. It's cool, though. I'd like to remind everyone, yeah, we give money to charity. Stop tweeting me and telling me it's for charity when you're swearing at me. Um, and we have a very special guest on today. Courtney Joyner is a screenwriter, director with 25 credits. My phone just blinked off. I'm like reading this off of here and it cut out. Uh, 25 credits, including the cult films Prison, starring Viggo Mortensen, directed um, by Rennie Harlan, 
Mark Lester's Class of 99, The Offspring, starring Vincent Price. Uh, wow, interesting. And Puppet Master Trances. Uh, you may not be exactly Paramount. proud of every single one of the movies you're going to list, though. Courtney, are you with us? I'm like Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, I'm, I'm reading all I'm of this. I'm right here. I'm really impressed. Good. Yeah. Welcome to the show. Let's let's, let's let's him do his own bio. Okay. So Fine. I was I was getting impressed. G'day. Welcome. Fair enough. Thank you. Yes, yeah, so I listened to the last uh, like five minutes, and uh, I don't that that was really interesting. <laughs> Sometimes we go off on tangents. <laughs> just just a bit. A little bit, a little bit. We, we're supposed to focus on what's going on in media, how to get into media, but Paul and I just start talking and usually yelling about something. So how did you get into entertainment? I'm reading your bio and you're really impressive. Oh, gee whiz. Well, thank you very much. Uh, this was, uh, I, I did the usual, which was just writing and, of course, growing up. I mean, I'm, I'm old. So I got to grow up during the monster rally period and all that stuff during the 60s. And uh, my mother was a newspaper woman, and my father was a physician who had written uh, quite a number of medical books. So I just drifted towards the writing, and that's what I uh, stayed with. That's fantastic. All through now, college and, yeah. It what was is the, the way to break into the movies. What is the film you're most proud of? Hmm. Well, that's that's hard to say because almost everything I've done, they were the they were fun. They were B movie assignments, uh, and uh, I think I I really love the fact that I I did a movie Vincent Price. That was the very first film I ever did uh, that was that was made rather I should say. And then by uh, uh, period we're working with Rennie Harlan, we actually lived together. Um. Uh, and uh, during that time, and so uh, we, we did this, and I did a little work on Nightmare on Elm Street and what have you, and we were great roommates. He got the girls. I made the breakfast, so it worked out just fine. And uh, I would yeah, say, you know, I, I, I like Class of 1999 pretty well. I think that's a lot of fun. That's amazing. Now, how do you and Paul know each other? I'm just nosy here. Mm. Uh, there was a group of uh, that... Uh, that Courtney was a part of that I joined that used to hang out. Uh, I think it was the, for a, we didn't really have a name though, but it was, it started because to get clue Gulliger out of the house, right? That's exactly right. And mm. we did. Yeah. I came and on we much did. later. We got, we got clue out and, mm-hmm. uh, and he's still out. We still see him. And of course, just, uh, with Quentin and all that stuff. So just terrific. Yeah, uh, Clue just was original. Was in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That was he a nice sure I wasn't expecting to see him in that. Yep, it's he amazing. sure is. And that, so that's you know, well, Quentin had been such a fan of his for such a long time, so it was terrific that he's uh, they finally cemented it on celluloid. Yeah, I remember Quentin doing that article in Film Threat magazine back in like it was right around the time of Pulp Fiction and. He said the movies that you needed to watch, and one of them was the Don Siegel's The Killers, with uh, right. uh, uh, Clue uh, playing uh, Lee Marvin's partner, if I remember, if I remember right. That's right. Oh, didn't you come? Weren't you there when we screened that awful sixteen print I had that had the splices in it, like every twenty feet? Uh, which for for which piece? Uh, for the there killers. was the Brown Paper Pete Festival. I think that was something that the late Chuck McCann put together. Is right. that what you referred to? 
Maybe that was when we did it. It was, yeah, an old beat-up 16 print I had. And everyone says, oh, my God, we haven't seen the killers in ages. And it literally oh, had a spice okay, no, like every three minutes. Hmm. But I think we that, got well, through I it. And there's, that's on Criterion, so. I think, mm. Oh, it is, absolutely. And, and yeah. when they did the Criterion, uh, Clue uh, asked if they used uh, some of my posters for the background of when they did uh, Clue's uh, interviews and stuff. Hmm. Yeah, fair enough. I know he's like all over that DVD. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen him in years. Uh, I think you can still find him over at the New Beverly every night, but, you know, don't know him. Beverly and Canada, you let bet. Him live his life. That's and amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm listening to this. I'm like, you guys are so, I'm listening. I, I need to remind everyone Hollywood is a very, 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 very small place. If yeah, I don't very know shallow someone, pool. Yeah. yeah, if if I if I don't know someone, I know someone that does. If Paul doesn't know someone, he knows someone that does. So there's I think the statistic was there are a hundred thousand people all together working at any given time. It's a very, very small world. So I'm sure that and that sounds absolutely correct, yeah. I think it's the number's too high. But you know, that's just me. Well that's it. That's all work, all extras, all PAs, everything across the board on every project. Still think it's too high. Probably. Now you worked for Par- Paramount's my parent company. That's that's where I came from. Paramount's my daddy. So I'm really glad to see you worked for them. How did you like working with you worked with New Moon and Paramount? Well, uh all when I was doing all those uh uh science fiction and movies and those low budget movies for Charlie Band, all those were released by Paramount. And then uh later on I worked over there for uh a few different producers uh on projects, uh, a lot of westerns. I I used to go over and uh uh, work on some things with A.C. Lyles all the time. And, uh, of course, he was Paramount's old hand and their goodwill ambassador. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, despite the fact he, what, he produced Deadwood. He was, what, 88 or something when he was the producer of that, that yeah, show that's, when that's it was on really HBO? Yeah, really common at Paramount, though. I don't know anyone that's ever left. They all died. No, that was, Howard Koch was that way. And what a great guy he was. He mm-hmm. was just the nicest guy in the world. And uh, that was, uh, I, I found Paramount very welcoming. Paramount's wonderful. I love the old boys there. It's been the same old boys for as long as I can remember. But they are so on my poop list right now. They really are on my shit list. They, we've sold Marvel to, we've sold Marvel off. We've, you know, we, we've really made some stupid choices and I'm just waiting for Disney to buy us. So I, I love them. That's where my heart is. But damn, we've messed up. I thought Paramount was the only one that didn't sell their back catalog off the Disney. No, we fucking sold. Excuse my language. I'd like to remind everyone I'm swearing for charity, not out of frustration, damn it. We sold everything to Disney. Fair enough. Um, We did. We sold everything to Disney. Well, you know, of course, way back when, Paramount, remember, sold their pre-1948 library to Universal. I know. Yep. Mm. How much of that was burned up in the fire? Yep. How much of that was burned up in the fire? So, good question. Because uh, that was all the, all the 1930s. All, I mean, literally. And, of course, I think the, the breaking off point was like Sunset Boulevard or something. But everything yeah, free that was went yeah, over just, uh, to Lancashire Boulevard. Yeah, we're I, just finding out now how bad it was for the masters of music. Music masters were, were that's finally coming to light. Everybody's trying to stare to the Foo Fighters. Yeah, I I think uh, 
Paramount's not made the best moves. I know there's some financial issues there, which I don't even know if I'm supposed to be talking about. But probably you know, not. Nine, probably, probably not. I'm gonna get a. I'm gonna get an email. Like, let's be clear. But I know they sold off some stuff. I know they're trying to reinvest in some films, but they're wanting to bring back like a lot of projects, like Clueless, things they did in the '90s. They're wanting to bring back a few temp poles, and Paramount doesn't have anything right now that is a. Uh, a standalone uh, tentpole. Everything was tied into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So now it's kind of once the end game came out, everyone just kind of sit there and went, shit. So yeah. I, I'm just going to go You're a writer, right? We need to talk about that. <laughs> We're in yeah, trouble. Yeah, please. <laughs> I'm, I'm, but, I'm all set. It's like, it's like we'll, we'll discuss this. Uh, but now, if you if you had to, um, let's not call it, let's say you had to write a film, any film, to, you know, uh, any tentpole. What kind of tentpole would you write? I'd write a Western. I can see that. That would be a good swing around. And, uh, you know, I've written, I've written a lot. I have a Western series that I write for for Pinnacle Books, and I've written a fair number of Western screenplays. None of them have been made, but they got, they got me a little bit of work and some attention and things like that. And I've written a lot of short stories, and uh, I guess, and you know, the Western Writers of America, and I'm an officer in that and all that stuff. So and that's always been the, the other genre, very, very close to my heart. Now, why Westerns? I, I really don't know. I, I can honestly say that I... I was such a monster kid that I actually, the first Westerns I discovered were like movies like Springfield Rifle with Gary Cooper and things like that, only because Lon Chaney Jr. was in them. Mm. And so I was just following the Wolfman, and I didn't know he had done so many Westerns uh, in the late 40s and throughout the 50s and 60s. So literally he is responsible for me just suddenly going, wow, this is very cool, and I like this, and I like that, and then... Uh, but I was a, I was a weirdo. I mean, you know, by you when you're 12 years old and you're running around talking about Howard Hawks and stuff, you know, there's and Robert Aldrich, you know, there's a problem. Nah, I was about the same age talking about John Sturgis and Peck and Paw, which I th- oh, if I remember you right, didn't you didn't you do something with Peck and Paw back in, uh, in early in your career? Well, I well I got to know Sam because I did a documentary about him when I was still a student at USC. And then I actually brought him down for that screening of the Wild Bunch at Rick Jewell's class. With I uh, brought him and Warren Oates. Which and, cut? Uh, that was that was quite an evening. Which I cut? love it. You got you guys sound or? like such brilliant. Like you guys are so such brilliant um, young people. At that age, I was obsessed with Keanu Reeves and wanted to marry him. That was the extent of it. And you guys are like <laughs> tracking down actors, following okay. their careers, looking you at know, their films. <laughs> Well, you know, you know this because way back, if you look and go back to like even like say the sixties, just say the pre DVD extra period, which of course I love because I love to do those. But all of these iconic directors, and if you were a kid and you wrote a letter, I used to write letters to guys like John Sturgis. They would write mm. you back. 
because they uh. did not consider themselves celebrities. They were wealthy, and they were established people and everything else. They worked with celebrities. They did not, you know, uh, even a photograph of a movie director, unless it was Alfred Hitchcock, was an incredibly rare thing. Mm. See, so I didn't think about that. that, it was, that there was sense. accessibility there, I think, for all these guys. And if you were, you know, completely in love with their work or whatever, even if you were 13 or 14 years old, they'd talk to you. you See, know, I for think, me, it was I think that that's book awesome. at Blockbusters. That, that book with the, and it had actors and all the movies the actors were in and the directors and all the directors that were, that they directed. That's, that's kind of what my, my, like, gateway into figuring these things out. Yeah, See, you, but, you guys yeah. sound brilliant. I was just, I, I was obsessed with Keanu Reeves at that age. I did, though I did meet him, and I did get invited back to his hotel room, and I was really angry at my dad because he wouldn't let me go. It was when he was touring with the band Dogstar. Uh, um, so, like, I think that's, like, of course, my dad didn't let me go, and I got grounded, and it was not explained why. Um, but yeah, it, it, I, I think that's much better to be accessible in that way, to be able to reach out to directors and, and do that. I think that's really inspirational because and it I gives people... I think what people... Courtney's saying is that the directors were surprised that anybody one thought that they were a celebrity. No, okay, I, I get that. Yeah. Now yeah, directors and... have their own cults. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, it, 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 you know, anybody who directs a movie, gets a special interview on the DVD release and everything else. And, you know, that was just unheard of. Because, you know, remember those great little uh, short behind-the-scenes things you used to see? Uh, those, you know, Dirty Harry, Man with a Badge, or, you know, whatever it was. Uh, those seven-minute things you used to see on ABC. And, you know, I just scanned because I go, oh, my God, look, there's the DP. And I didn't know what he looked like. And there's Ted Post. I didn't know what he, you know, it was just... It, it was wonderful. I I actually have a letter. It's like my most treasured thing. I wrote to Don Siegel for a summer job when I was like 16 years old. Wow. Oh, wow. And he wrote me back. Oh, my and God. I, I love the shootist. And so I told him how much I love the shootist. And he writes me back on Telephone Stationery. So that's cool factor number one. So I'm going, oh, my God, it's on Telephone Stationery. And I have this old thing with Don Siegel thanking me for the letter and thanking me for the interest and the compliments and telling me he was doing another Western called I, Tom Horn, starring Steve McQueen. Okay. But it, it it was, Steve had such a just... large entourage he didn't think there would be room for me. So I learned Don Siegel telling a 16-year-old kid that Steve McQueen won't let him, you know, be a PA on his movie. Yeah, you'd figure he would have figured that out by now. Don had worked with him at least, what was that, the, Tom Horn was the third or fourth time they worked together? You know, it's, it's, a, good, it's a good way to pass the uh, buck. I yeah, like Hell it. is for Heroes. <laughs> That's actually really cool. Oh, we oh have, I love it. It's it just so, I mean, you know, all these great touchstones, you know, I'm like, oh, my God, how did you get better than that? It's well, amazing. if I had gotten a job, that would have been better, but still, this is. Yeah. Well, I, I, I don't know. The job. Consolation prize. Yeah, that's something you can keep forever. That's incredible. Now, <laughs> what advice would you give to aspiring writers out there? I've got a lot of people in Twitter that write on and want to know what to do how to get into writing, how to do that. And my advice is terrible. So, <laughs> Well, uh, you know, the thing, the thing is, when I was, I was very lucky because when I was at USC, and I wasn't in the film department, I actually couldn't get in, and I graduated as an English major, um, I 
was working on a project that was a biography of an actor from the 1940s named Rondo Hatton. And I thought it'd be a cool movie, and I was doing some research, and a guy at Universal, the head of the makeup department there, said, oh, you know, we're developing this as a television movie. And I was just crushed. And he said, but let me put you in touch with the director. He may want to talk to you. And the director was a man named Virgil Vogel, who I knew because he had directed The Mole People, but he was a huge TV director, been a gigantic editor. He cut Touch of Evil. And, uh, really? Yep, absolutely. And Virgil got on the phone. He said, well, come on over to Universal and have lunch with me. And that started a relationship and a friendship. So I, as soon as I got out of USC, I was at Universal working with this man on Magnum P.I. and Street Hawk and Airwolf and all this type of stuff. And that was during the same time that we got together to uh, my Jeff Burr and Darren Scott and I got together to make The Offspring with Vincent Price. But here's the big difference. In those days, and Paul, you know exactly what I'm going to say, you had to raise $150,000, $250,000 to make a movie. At the bare minimum, because it was film and a crew and, you know, the whole thing. Now, you could do everything on your phone. And it's I wouldn't just recommend amazing. that, though. So, what I'm saying is that the entree to your material, if you've written a screenplay, and, of course, you want to shop it to the studios and, you know, streaming services and all that type of stuff, it still doesn't stop you from, say, doing scenes that you can then put up on YouTube as demonstration pieces. And I think the forums for getting your work seen and paid attention to are much greater now than than they ever were. Back in the days when we were just writing scripts and sending them in and hoping somebody would would pay attention. Uh, Now, part two of that is uh, also really the idea of a pre-existing intellectual property is what it seems like everybody wants. And uh, I got into writing novels rather late, but I created this one Western series, and I got that option. I I wrote a sequel to 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea that came out uh, a year and a half ago. And, in fact, the board game of it from WizKids comes out next week. Oh, yeah, I was just about to ask you about that. Mm-hmm. What happened? Uh, your board game is, comes out when? And through who uh, again? Next uh, Wednesday. Fair enough. And we are coming to the end of the show. So, Courtney, where can people find you? Well, it's uh, Nemo Rising, Robor the Conqueror. And of course, it's on Amazon. And just, oh my gosh, if you Google it, there are, there are probably 65 or 70 sites that are uh, carrying it. And uh, also in the gaming stores here, just in town and uh, Burbank, uh, I know we're going to have Emerald Knights is going to have it, and Barnes and Noble should have it. I believe Toys R Us also bought it, so it, it will definitely be around. But it's uh, uh, yeah, it's it is from the guys that gave you Dungeons and Dragons, and and the artwork Ooh. on it is just. <laughs> I love hey, I love Dungeons and Dragons. That's awesome. Yeah, she just started playing with her family. I, I, I I've been playing hmm. since on and off since I was a kid. I just started playing with them. I never got heavy into it, but uh, yeah, I, I have them playing playing it right now because I thought it would be fun. Though when we talked about this last time, I did get hate mail online from a bunch of Christian groups who think eh. that I'm indoctrin- indoctrinating them into the Church of Satan. So, um, hail Satan, I guess. No, but, 
<laughs> that's, well, that's Nemo Rising will counteract all of that. So yes, yeah, so go grab one, and then yes, you'll be uh, in safe. You'll be safe. I like that. And, now, and Courtney, where is your social media? Uh, where can we find you on social media? Uh, yeah, well, I'm uh, do the Facebook thing, and my own site is ccjoiner.com If you want to, you know, write me some hate mail or whatever. <laughs> only love mail, only love mail. You got great response oh, on Twitter. Bless so you. I've, I've got some grumbles coming on. Uh, can we get you to come on the show again? We didn't get to a lot of the questions, and so I'm getting sure. a little hate mail. I'm ho- yeah. And I'd like to point out you said that on air, so that's now legally binding. We get to bring mm-hmm. it back. Um, (laughs) Oh, my chirpy thing? Yes, absolutely, of course. (laughs) I love that. Thank you so, so much for coming on. It was wonderful having you. Um, I wish we had more time. We'll have to get on again and go through a bunch of the questions we have on Twitter. Apparently, we've got a lot of fans of your work, so you have a great response. Um, Good Lord. Guys, go go jump off our social media and go say hello to him. Thank you very, very much for joining us. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, no, let's let's do it again. That'd be terrific. Uh, Definitely. Uh, I'm glad I ran into you at that dirt on the floor comic convention. That was I. What? How? Where was? What was that again? Oh my gosh, that was. I remember that. And boy, yeah. I'm, I'm, the brain fog is setting. Out. In fact, I'm on my way over to Monster Palooza in about 25 minutes. Oh, that's happening this weekend. Oh, Isn't that? Enough. Is that Lloyd's? No, no, yep. no, 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 no. Uh, is, Isn't Lloyd over at Monster Palooza? I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know if he is or not. Uh, I mean, he always does the one, you know, on the East Coast, but it's... But no, that's where he does San Diego Comic-Con. He very well may be there. I'm going to text him and find out. Now, now <laughs> I'm like, okay, things have gone off track, guys. Sorry. Remember to go okay. check. <laughs> um, go find Paul. Paul, your social media. Yeah, uh, again, still haven't figured out how to use Twitter. So just uh, just go to my Facebook page. There you go. And, guys, I'm Summer Helene. You know to find me on Twitter under Summer Helene because you'll tweet me there all the time. Thank you very, very much for joining us from on Behind the Scenes. A very, very special thanks to our very, very special guest, um, C. Courtney Joyner. And, guys, I think it's uh, you got you got to check out some of his stuff. He's made some really, really, really cool cult classic movies. Um, and for those asking questions, I promise we'll have him on again. Thank you, of course. Go check out some back issues of The Militant Moderator with Paul. Mm-hmm. And yeah. thank you for joining us. I'm Summer Helene. This is Behind the Scenes. We'll see you next week. Have fun. Thanks for checking out the show. Behind the Scenes can be heard live on the Voice America Variety Channel every Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific. Be sure to join Summer Helene for more Scoop next week.